We are uh, finally concluding our sermon series for the month of October, the Heirs of Grace. How many enjoyed the sermon series, Heirs of Grace? Right? Our sermon series text is found in Roman chapter 8, verse uh, 15 and 17. So it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. To be called a child of God, we, we've been talking about this all month, that God's spirit uh, bears witness with our spirit, that God's spirit recognizes our spirit as born-again believers. Uh, and he calls us his children. He calls us his sons and daughters. Now we as heirs... Uh, we have been given an inheritance. My wife and I, we were talking about that. She says, you know, as an heir, it's yours already. It belongs to you. So those things that God has blessed us and given us, part of our inheritance, they're ours. They're ours already. And we've learned this month that part of our inheritance is grace, that the grace of God is over our lives. We thank God for his grace. We thank God for his mercy. We thank God for the grace that he has over our lives, over our families, over our marriages, over our church. The other night we were coming home and there was an accident, and I think we missed it by just seconds. And it was a pretty bad accident. We pulled over, we called 911, and I just can't help but to know that that was the grace of God over my wife and I. So often we take grace for granted, right? But we understand and know that that grace that God gives us, that unmerited favor. And we learned this month that because of God's grace, because we're inheritors of God's grace, that we can go through suffering. That no matter what struggle would come against us, no matter where we would find ourselves, uh, that the suffering we go, go through, although the enemy would try to mean it to destroy us. God uses it to build us up, to draw us closer to him. That even in the midst of suffering, we can raise our hands and continue to worship God. That the suffering we go through makes us more resilient and keeps us pressing forward for God. We learned because of God's grace that there's that redemptive work constantly at work within our lives. That we come to a place in our lives before we know Jesus, we receive him as a Lord and Savior, and he redeems us. There's that redemptive work that takes place, but God doesn't leave us the way he finds us. What does he do? He's, he redeems us, and he begins to move within our lives. He begins to grow us. He begins to mold us and shape us. And even if you've been serving God for any amount of time, we know that God's redemptive work is still at work within our lives, that he's still shaping us. He's still molding us. And there's times where we might fall short. There's times where we might miss the mark. There's times where we might stumble. But thank God for his redemptive power. Thank God for his redemptive power that he's not finished with us yet. Last week, we were hearing about the healing power of God. God is Jehovah Rapha, right? The Lord who heals. He heals us, uh, our physical bodies. He heals us, our, our minds, our emotions, our, our spirit. That God is the healer and by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, by the stripes of Christ, the Bible says that we are healed. Bruised uh, 
for our iniquities, right? The Bible says. And what, what an awesome thing that we can experience God's healing power. There might be some here that are sick in body. And you've been praying, you've been asking God, uh, God, can you please heal my body? Can you work that work? And by the stripes of Christ, we're healed. And that's an awesome thing to know that uh, God is not finished with us yet. My, my grandchildren, whenever they are uh, sick, they call up the house and they call up their grandmother, their yaya. And the reason is, is they know that when they talk to their grandmother, the first thing she's going to tell them is the blood of Jesus. Uh, your healing power, God, over my grandchildren. Your healing power over my, over my grandsons. And, and what is she doing? Is she's, she's claiming what's already hers and what's already theirs, their healing. And she's teaching them that when they're sick, when they're sick in body, they can call Yaya, they can call uh, Papa, they can tell Mom and Dad but they can come to Jesus and ask God for their healing. We need healing in our lives. We need healing in our homes, healing in our marriages. We need healing in this nation of ours. And God is able to do it. See, unlike this natural life, our inheritance, it isn't realized through death, but our inheritance is given to us through the life of Jesus Christ. It's because of the life that we live in Jesus Christ uh, that we are born again. It's because of the life of the, that we have in Jesus Christ that we are able to have everlasting life. It's because of the life that we live in Jesus Christ that we're able to experience his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his love, his redemptive power, his healing power. The list goes on and on and on because of the life that we have in Jesus. And I've entitled this message this evening, Death defeated. Look at John chapter 1, verse 4. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. 1 John 5, 11. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. See, we focus not on death, but we focus on the life that we have in Jesus Christ. I think so often in this, time, in this, in this season that we're in right now, that the world is focusing on death. They decorate their houses with uh, symbols of death. Theme parks begin to celebrate death and kind of call it for what it is. But we celebrate the life that we have in Jesus Christ. In Deuteronomy, God says, I lay before you life and prosperity, death and destruction. And then the Lord tells us, choose life. Choose life so that you and your children may live. We're instructed to choose life, but not celebrate death and, and not glorify death and not glorify the demonic. But we're called to choose life and to celebrate life. Death isn't associated with Jesus. Life is associated with Jesus. When Mary went to the tomb, and she looked inside and it was empty, and the angel came and said, Mary, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not there. 
We know that Jesus died for our sins, and, and praise God for that. Uh, but it was the resurrection that gave us life. Uh, it was him rising from the grave uh, that defeated the grave, that defeated hell, that defeated sin, that defeated death once and once and for all. We don't need to go looking for the living among the dead like the Mary was told. I know this past year and a half, it's been a trying year for, for most of us, and not just the pandemic restrictions or the political climate, uh, what's going on, but uh, we've, we've lost some good ones, right? Friends, family members that have gone on home, and we miss them. We miss fellowshipping with them. We miss talking with them. We miss seeing them. We miss calling them up. Uh, we mourn them. We grieve them. But I tell you what, they're in the presence of Almighty God. They're in a place where they're feeling no suffering. They're in God's glory. They're in a place where God has just welcomed and received them. And, 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 as, and as much as we miss them and as much as we would long to see them, oh, man, they're in a better place. They're in a place where they're just constantly worshiping God, constantly just thankful for, to God and all that he has done. And understand that it wasn't sickness or death that made the decision to take them. God is sovereign, and he determines when he brings home his children. God is in control. In the book of Psalms, chapter 116, verse 15, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. The Living Bible says this, his loved ones are very precious to him, and he does not lightly let them die. One commentator said concerning this scripture, God does not take lightly the passing of one of his saints. God is not complacent or apathetic about a believer's death. He views it with intense concern and care. It is something to which he gives special attention. We have this image of God being there to receive one of his saints, one of his children, one of his loved ones, being there that, that they don't have to go alone, but that God is there to welcome him. I think back to my grandmother. My grandmother passed away when I was uh, 16, 17 years old, and she had a relationship with God, and I wasn't there when she passed, but uh, I was hearing that as she was ready to go, she was in, this, in her room, and she was looking up, and she was talking to the, to the Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready. Watch my kids. She's having a conversation with her Lord and Savior. And what an awesome thing that when it was her time, she wasn't by herself. But there he was to welcome her home. That should encourage us tonight uh, that we don't go through things alone. That even in our darkest hour, we're not alone. And even when death is there, we are not alone. That God is with us. That's the good news tonight. See, death is a result of man's sin and rebellion towards God. From the first time that Adam took a bite of that fruit to today, to present day, 
Death has been the penalty for our fallen nature. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Ah, but the good news today is that Jesus overcame that. The Bible says he's come to give us that life and that life in abundance, that we don't have to fear it. Jesus has authority over it. He has authority over death. In the book of John, chapter 10, verse 18, He says, I have the authority to lay it down. He's talking about his life. No one takes it from him. He says, I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. In the book of Revelation, chapter 118, it says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of Hades and death. You know what keys represent? Represent authority. The Bible says that Jesus holds those keys. That means uh, he's the one that has the authority. Recently at my job, there was a whole department that had to turn in their keys because someone shaved their key and was getting into doors they shouldn't have been getting into. They didn't have the authority to go through those doors. But Jesus says he has the authority, that he holds the keys to Hades and death. And that means that Jesus is in control. That means that Jesus is in control. And that should excite you tonight. Book of Corinthians it says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Verse 57, it says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus' power over death is absolute that means there's a period at the end. That means he's in control. Even in the face of death, uh, Jesus is in control. We can take comfort and rest in that fact. Even when death is knocking at that door, Jesus is always in control. I like the story about the daughter of uh, Jairus. Book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 22 and 24. It says, then the leader of a local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. And Jesus went with him, and all the, and all the people followed, crowding around him. This young girl is sick. She's dying. And Jairus does what every believer should be doing. See, Jairus believed in, 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 in Jesus. He had already seen, he had already, the miracles, he had already heard about this, this, this man of God, Jesus, who was healing the sick. And because he believed, he had the authority to go to Jesus. He had the authority to go to Christ. And he brought his daughter before him. My daughter is sick. Can you come to my house? Can you, I'm inviting you into my house to come and heal my daughter. And as fathers, as parents, that's what we should be doing to our children is bringing them before the presence of God, bringing them before the throne of God, asking God to get involved in their lives and lifting them up constantly and constantly bringing them into the presence of God. Jesus, he agreed to go. And the story goes that as they went, uh, the crowd was following around Jesus. And it was at the same time that this woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years 
also saw Jesus and also knew that he was in the area. And she thought to herself, uh, I've spent all this money on physicians and medication, and none of it can heal me. But if I can touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I'll be healed. And the Bible says that she makes her way through the crowd, and she comes up to him, and she's able to touch just the hem of his robe, and instantly she's healed. Instantly she's made well. And Jesus, he turns around, and he says, someone touched me. And his disciples are saying, we're in a crowd. Everybody is touching you. And he knew that someone touched them to be healed. And that woman comes forward, and he begins to minister to this woman, he begins to speak to her, and he begins to encourage her and tell her that because of her faith, she's been made whole. She's been made well. And if you keep reading, it's also now at this time where the servants of Jairus come, and they say, don't even bother the Lord anymore. It's too late. She's dead. He's, she's passed away. Let him be. And there's times, and I think, in our lives where we're praying, whether it's because someone is sick or whether because it's a loved one or whether it's for ourselves, whatever it is uh, that's heavy on our heart, we're praying and we're asking God, uh, can you please get involved? Can you please move? Can you please minister? Work a miracle, and nothing's happening. Oh, but this brother's getting blessed. And this sister's getting healed. And this person's getting a job. And this person's getting a raise. And you see God ministering and blessing all around. And you're thinking, what about me, God? I've been praying and I've been fasting and I don't see anything happening. We get like that because we forget sometimes that God is still in control. That God is still in control. Jesus, he overhears the crowd and he tells Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. And he assures the parents, once he gets there, he sees the crowds and he, he sees everybody weeping and moaning and crying and he assures the parents, he, he tells the parents, he gives them this promise. He says, the child isn't dead, she's only asleep. Verse 40 the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. And holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. And they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. What an awesome miracle that took place. You know what's awesome? Is that Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. And even though everyone said, you're too late, she's already dead, Jesus understood that he was uh, the one that had authority over death. And he told the parents, just have faith. Believe. Watch what I'm about to do. And he went in there, and he was able to overcome that death and make her rise again. What an awesome story that is, that God is in control. And just because we feel sometimes that God's not hearing our prayers uh, or that God's delaying or he's taking his time uh, doesn't mean that God isn't answering our prayers. doesn't mean that God isn't already moving on our behalf. It doesn't mean that God has already done what he, we've asked him to do. It just means that God is teaching us little patience. And sometimes we have to experience 
a little loss, so that God can show us the eternal abundance of his blessing. Christ was always in control. And he knew what the rest of the people didn't know. Is that this little girl, although she died, death wasn't the end. And death isn't the end for the born-again believers tonight. Death isn't the end. Actor Keanu Reeves, he was asked one night during one of those late-night talk shows, and he was asked this question. He was asked the question, what do you think happens when you die? Which I think was an odd question to ask him, and, and by his reaction in the clip, I think he thought it was an odd question as well, because he takes a deep breath, and he lets out a sigh, and he says, I know the ones who love us will miss us. That, that was what his reaction was. People clapped, and they said, ah, and with that, you know, they broke to commercial. And it's true. When a loved one goes, we do miss them. When a brother, a sister, a family member pass on, we do miss them. But Keanu Reeves only answered one part of the question. He answered the question to what happens to those of us that stay behind. He didn't answer the question that for those, uh, especially those born-again believers, the children of God, what happens when they pass on. Job, he asked that question as well. We know Job's story that in one day he lost everything. He lost everything he owned and he lost his children in one day. And in chapter 14, verse 14, he said, can the dead live again? If so, this would give me hope through all my years of struggle. And I would eagerly await the release of death. Here is Job who is very well acquainted with loss. And he's got this very honest question, this very human question. And he says, can the dead live again? Is there a chance uh, that there's life after death? Because if there's an opportunity of spending eternity with God, if there's an opportunity of being welcomed into paradise, if there's an opportunity of heaven, if there's an opportunity of being in a place, uh, man, where there's no more pain or no more hurt or no more suffering, then I can endure what I'm going through. Then I can put up with the junk that the world gives me, and I can keep going forward, and I can keep fighting this good fight of faith. And that's an awesome promise that we have is that this is in our home, that everything we go through uh, is nothing compared to the glory that we're going to experience uh, with God. He says, I can keep going forward. Jesus said in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one can snatch them away from me. What an awesome promise. Especially when there's times of uncertainty, and especially when we have questions, and especially when at times where it seems like, I don't know what's up or down. And God says, I give them eternal life and nothing or no one can snatch them away from me. That we're in God's awesome, mighty right hand. We're in his grip. When I was 
preparing this message, I, I wanted to uh, speak about heaven. And I found it um, pretty challenging. There's scriptures that talk about heaven. There's scriptures that describe what heaven might be like. And, but as I was just preparing, I, I felt God just saying, you know what, lay a foundation. Lay a foundation. And the foundation I'm hoping to lay is, is for our guest speaker that we're going to have uh, next month. He was, uh, Dean Braxton, he was here last year, and, and this man actually had a, an encounter in heaven. This man actually died and was in heaven, was in the presence of God, and was able to experience it uh, for a brief moment, and he came back, and I remember last year he was sharing with us, and he was telling us his experience, and people were asking questions during the men's discipleship, and and just after that weekend, I tell you what, I was stirred, and I was encouraged, and I was excited because everything that we were going through, it's all worth it, man. There is a real God. There's a real heaven. And as a born-again believer, it's our home. It's our destination. And so next month, I'm excited to hear the message that he has. I'm excited to hear about his time there. I do like this scripture, though. It's found in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. It says, And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All things... All these things are gone forever. Forever. And remember the Sandlot, forever. That means for eternity, no more hurt, no more pain, no more loss, no more sickness, no more disease. We're going to have brand new bodies, the Bible says. I can't wait for that one. We have, a, we always have awesome worship services. And Sister Yovera today was, was singing that song, and she was talking about, you got to contend for that healing. you got to contend for those chains to be broken. And there's times that we're in worship, and, man, you could just sense the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God. You could sense the presence of God. You could just, like, you could reach out and touch him, right? And you can feel those worries being just washed away. You can feel those chains being broken. And if it's that good on earth, ooh, can you imagine heaven? Can you imagine heaven where, where none of that extra baggage is weighing our worship down, that we will actually be free to worship, uh, free to lift up our hands, free to love God, free to just be in his presence. The Bible says we'll see him as he is. That he's prepared a home for us, the Bible says. A place where not only will we be able to see him, but we will be reunited with those that have gone on before us in Christ. We won't have to worry about the cares of this world. I talked about having a new body. A couple of Sundays ago, I was, my knee was hurting. I was telling Georgie, I said, it's going to rain. 
And sure enough, it rained, right? We get older, right? Our bodies uh, don't react the way we, we once knew them to react. And, and in a place called heaven, we're not going to have to worry about creaky knees and backs and high blood pressure and watching our sugar and none of that. We're going to be just free to experience God. Jesus says that he goes to prepare a place for us. That if he goes to prepare a place for us, and there's going to come a day when he returns to take us home. And if he goes to prepare a place for us, what does that mean? It means that heaven is not our home. Or, excuse me, this place is not our home. Heaven's our home. We're just passing through. We're just passing through. The Bible says that we are citizens of heaven. All right? We are citizens of heaven. And as citizens of heaven, we have... Uh, certain rights and privileges and that is that we have that instant access to God the Father that because of Jesus Christ and and what he did on that cross and his redemptive power and the blood that heals us and washes us uh, we can come into the holy of holies uh, and seek God and and bring our needs before God and we don't even have to bring those needs sometimes sometimes we just can come into the presence of God and worship God and he says I got those needs covered I got those needs taken care of When we do come, though, to that time where we end our race, where our journey is complete, oh, those beautiful words that we'll hear. Put it up. What does that say? Amen. To hear that from our Lord and Savior personally, to be able to hear those words from Jesus himself, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord, man. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Man. Some of us, uh, we've been hurt, and some of us we've been going through, and some of us we've been like, without that joy. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice in God. We need to give God praise, man. We need a breakthrough tonight. We need to begin to shout as our worship team comes up and give God praise. Thank him for all he's done. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him that we're alive. Thank him that we can worship him freely in this place. God is so good. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We, uh, we know the story of Lazarus. Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, they were friends of Jesus. In fact, um, the Bible says that Jesus loved them. He loved them. And Lazarus, he gets sick. And word is sent to Jesus that his friend is dying, that his friend is sick. And they're asking Jesus, can you come? Can you come see your friend? Can you come see the one that you love? And Jesus makes a decision to wait. He waits a couple of days. And by the time he gets to where Lazarus is, uh, Lazarus has already been dead for four days. Martha 
his sister comes up to, to see Jesus. She says, Jesus, if you were here, my brother would still be alive. Basically what she said. She says something very human. She says, where were you? Where were you? We called for you. We, we asked for you to come. You were less than two miles away. Where were you? And Jesus reminds her who he is. He's the resurrection, that he's the life. And he asks to be taken to where Mary is, or where Lazarus is. And he stands in front of that tomb. And then he commands them, roll that stone away. Roll that stone away. And that stone is rolled away, and he stands there at that tomb. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. With our, head bow with our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight, 